And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just something I've noticed, bargain hunting is back. I mean, bargain hunting's always been around. We always love a great deal. But man, everywhere you look, people are bargain hunting. You know, there's so many great ways to find great deals. Hey, I have a great find in your bargain hunting journey. Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price that's a real bargain when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at motel6.com. That is a bargain. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. This is Red Eye Radio. All across the USA and around the world, we are Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Download our Red Eye Radio app today and listen when you choose. All right, so here we go. Mm -hmm. Uh, A couple of things here when it comes to economics. And uh, we have from the uh, the Wall Street Journal two uh, editorials: the coming tax revenue reckoning, reckoning. Excuse mm-hmm. me. Uh, that uh oh, uh oh, here we go. Mm-hmm. The latest evidence came this month in the Federal Revenue News for October and November, uh, the first two months of the 2023 fiscal year. Revenue only rose one percent in contrast to a 21 percent increase in all of fiscal 2022. Individual taxes rose 4%, but corporate tax revenue fell 6%. Other revenue fell 21%. The latter includes Federal Reserve remittances from interest on its bond holdings, which fell to $1 billion from $15 billion, according to the CBO. That happened. Uh, those remittances will turn into deficits as the central bank pairs its bond portfolio. State revenues are also headed for an adjustment especially in capitals that built in new structural spending obligations during the pandemic. Hmm. California, that means you. Yeah. Sacramento now faces a $25 billion deficit. The New York State Comptroller is also warning about potential deficits as federal pandemic aid winds down and tax revenue falls. One irony is that high-tax progressive states have benefited in particular from the capital gains income on of the high earners that they claim to despise. But capital gains revenue is sure to plunge given the enormous decline in stock prices this year. Corporate tax revenue is also likely to uh, slow as earnings now are under pressure. All this was predictable since the good times were kept afloat by easy money and a highly progressive tax code. Federal tax receipts as a share of GDP hit a near record level in 2022, 19.6%, and Congress spent like it would never end. Well, it always does, and that is before even the widely predicted recession 
of 2023. And then we mentioned New York, and they're concerned about having deficits. Then the next editorial, both this weekend in the Wall Street Journal. Now New York Dems tell us. Kathy Hochul last week ruled out tax increases and said she plans to hold the line on spending next year. I don't believe that raising taxes at a time when we just cut taxes makes sense. By tax cuts, she's referring to the one-time property tax rebates for middle-income homeowners uh, last year. New York City Mayor Eric Adams last week also shot down a tax increase, and especially on high-income earners. Hmm. To continually attack high-income earners when 51% of our taxes are paid by 2% of New Yorkers, it blows my mind when I hear people say, so what if they leave? No, you leave. I want my high-income earners right here in the city. Wall Street Journal adds in the little editorial here. Nice to hear, but he's a tad late. Mm -hmm. A New York City Independent Budget Office report this month showed that the number of taxpayers who earned between $1 million and $5 million plunged 11% in 2020 from the prior year alone. Democrats can't blame the Fed, whose ultra-loose policies help boost asset prices and thus capital gains among the top 1% by $14 billion, or 37% that year. The culprits, high taxes and COVID lockdowns. According to the IRS data, New York County lost $14.5 billion in adjusted gross income from out-migration between 2019 and 2020. And this was before Democrats in Albany last year raised income taxes on individuals, making more than $1 million, jacking up the combined state and New York City top rate to 14.8%. That's just state. Even the New York uh, Comptroller, who is no moderate, told Bloomberg News last week that the exodus of taxpayers at the upper end should be of a concern for everybody. He added that we might be getting near the tipping point where we do make it economically unsustainable for enough of those folks to stay here. Hmm. End of quote. Hmm. Democrats have already passed the tipping point, judging by the thousands of high earners who have fled to Florida and lower tax climates. But don't bet on Democrats' newfound wisdom lasting. Uh, Governor Cuomo said in February of 2019, I don't believe in raising taxes on the rich. Tax the rich, tax the rich, tax the rich. We did that. God forbid the rich leave. Two years later, he taxed the rich more. And God didn't forbid more of the rich left. As we said all the time, you can't change. You, you can manipulate the economy. You can devalue the dollar. You can change the, the you know, artificially change the currency uh, value. But you can't st- stop economics. No, you can't, and it's going to flow uh, much like water does, and it's going to basically go down the path of the least resistance, and that's exactly what happens, is that the people in companies that have the means to move, move first. Those are the ones that get up and go first. And then it becomes a situation like we have in California, 
where the cost of living is so outrageous, then you have more and more people just saying, I can't stay here. And companies doing the same. Regulations are way over the top. We can't afford to stay here as a company. Well, we're com- And New yeah. York is, is exactly the same. Look, you're going to have a number of people that either can't or won't leave in every scenario. But more and more, you have people moving out of those areas, companies moving out of those areas because they simply can't make a profit. Thing is, the rich can leave. Yep. And they're the ones the first to go. They're they're the ones, and as they take that wealth elsewhere and they realize, okay, or they, they don't realize, they already know it, they look for other opportunity and other states and they find it. And states compete Gavin Newsom, remember making the trip to Texas? Oh God, that was ridiculous. how do you make how do you make all these profits? We're going to Texas to find uh-huh. out. Wasn't he? Was he lieutenant governor then? Yeah, he was lieutenant governor. Yeah. That was right. As lieutenant governor, we're going to go to Texas to uh-huh. see how they make money. Uh-huh. How do these companies prosper in Texas? Yet we're having problems here, right? In in uh, in in California, hmm. dog doggone it! By God, we got to. Get to the bottom We've of this. Got to solve this. We've got to, Mister. We'll get to the bottom of it right after we solve global warming. Just <laughs> because nothing was done, nothing changed in California. Well, I think one of the greatest points is once the money increased during COVID, they said, "Okay, let's add all these programs," and they add them permanently, and they can't afford the programs, right? They can't go into debt like the federal government. Right. And now we've seen the result of the federal government. The inflation that now 78% of Americans, I saw the latest poll, 78% say they've been severely affected. You know, they've been affected, uh, you know, by the uh, by inflation. Mm-hmm. Well, it's sorry, but it's what the voters asked for. Yeah. The voters asked for it. This right. is everything that we are experiencing right now is because of the people that the United States voted into public office. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And, and and I know you're going to say the Fed isn't part of the of of the politics of the yeah it is. Yeah. I'm sure it is. Yeah, sure it is. Yeah. You know it it wasn't it wasn't smart fiscal policy to manipulate the interest rate to near zero. That was a cold calculation uh, by the Keynesian mindset that we should borrow money from future generations because that's what they believe drives an economy. Well, guess what? They were wrong. And now every single one of you is paying for it every single day. And I don't think, you know, somebody, some Republican should get out there and explain to you, do you understand that you're paying right now inflation is the tax that you're paying for the people that you put in office to put in insane fiscal policy. Right. You understand that. And no Republican really has stated it in that way. Right. And they, I believe they need to do that. Yep. And it's, um, you know, the, the, the math is very simple in history is a very good teacher in this regard. And, and either you're paying attention or you're not. Either you care about it or you don't. And, this is going to be the case for states like New York and California for our lifetime. 
God bless Lee Zeldin. And he, look, he performed great. But you get inside the city of New York, it's a different story. They don't mind. They don't mind the crime. They don't mind the massive cost of living. Clearly, they don't mind because this is the way they vote. They vote to keep it going. Well, when you vote with your dollar, you can get up and and the people with that wealth that create jobs get up and leave. And you're, you know, Cuomo wasn't going to be able to do it. Nobody else is going to be able to do it. You're not going to be able to keep them there forever. As and 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 tell me how you're not going to keep increasing taxes. Not only are they they not going to go the other direction and make it more business friendly, they're going to keep going in this direction of increasing taxes. As you do that, you drive more and more business right. away. And when you see. Because let's put it this way, when 11% of the rich leave in one county because of what happened, everybody else who is rich knows somebody who was left Mm. for that reason. Mm -hmm. It gets them to thinking, why shouldn't I leave? It's uh, Remember when you and I uh, looked at when when golfer Phil Mickelson talked about the fact that he might move to, you know, after his kids, you know, are done with school, he may Mm -hmm. move to a lower tax state and remember the left response to him yeah. was just brutal. Yep. And you and I actually looked at what he, you know, what he was making. And this is a time when he, I think he was thinking of buying part of the San Diego Padres. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He wanted to become a minority owner. Right. That was his goal. He wanted right. to own part of a baseball's team. Well, you need a couple of hundred million to do something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, if you even yeah. want to be a minority owner. Right. And so that's probably what he was looking into. And you and I actually went through what he was making in endorsements and everything else. And we figured that over a 10-year period, you were talking, you know, $100, $150 million just in what he could save by moving from to a, a, a state that had no income tax. Right. Yeah. That gets to be when people start thinking, they go, oh, my God, that's, well, that's serious money. Mm-hmm. That That makes it so I, as a rich person... That, that's the difference between whether I can invest, make a new company, invest in a new company, become a, a part owner of, of, of something else. It destroys that. Yep. And so people are going to leave. Well, and because- they just, they liberals for some reason believe, and, and I won't even say only liberals, populists, even some people that call themselves conservatives, have always believed that we're the United States and economics doesn't affect us the way it does any country. Mm. We're the U.S., and and uh, since we're the world's currency, none of these rules apply to us. Yeah. The hell they don't. <laughs> we're seeing now that they do. And who's paying it? Who's paying for the mistakes of the leftist uh, fiscal mindset? You are right now. Yep. Everything you buy with the increased cost is because of what the people did that you voted into office. These are choices, and we can make different choices, but I expect that we won't, especially in states like California and New York. Not going to happen. Except for our audience. 
Yep, who Except will eventually him. have to choose, likely, to go somewhere else. That's I mean, true, yeah. thank you for fighting the good fight in those areas, but you're greatly outnumbered. And many of those individuals who look at that, uh, in fact, I have a friend who retired and said, I can't stay in California. On fixed income, there's no way. 866-90-RED-EYE. It pays to have a tire maintenance routine, especially during the winter driving season. Between black ice and heavy snowfall, winter weather can impact your tires and your productivity in a number of ways. Here's a tire maintenance tip to help you avoid downtime and roll safely through winter. Check your tire pressure during every pre-trip inspection and make sure they're properly inflated according to the manufacturer's recommendations. Cold weather naturally causes tire pressure to decrease, and underinflated tires can wear faster and impact your fuel efficiency. Maintaining proper tire pressure is essential to maximizing the performance, safety, and lifespan of truck tires. This report brought to you by Lubrifiner, engineering filters that are built to do more for heavy-duty fleets since 1996. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. Sorry, I'm listening to the music. Eight six six ninety red eyes. Some pretty good guitar playing there. <laughs> yeah, it is. You know, I'm just uh, you know reading here because it's something that we've asked, and and I love it when I read something I'm like we're, we've been saying this for the longest time. And this was in uh, Spectator.com, uh, Jack uh, uh, Hunter's column, and uh, the uh, the headline is "How did free speech become a right wing value?" Yeah. Said <laughs> in early May, I explored the less reaction to billionaire Elon Musk potentially buying Twitter and his vow to make it a free speech platform again. Since Musk, or since then, Musk and his vision have been repeatedly portrayed as right wing. It's the damnedest thing. <laughs> Canadian conservative politician Andrew Scheer picked up on this strange phenomenon back in April, saying that the corporate media framing free speech as a right wing value was just plain weird. As though to drive home the point, Twitch's Zachary Ryan called Musk a right-winger on Monday. <laughs> and over the weekend, entrepreneur Samir Tabar had the question for a whiny Robert Reich, who said Elon Musk and his enablers have turned this website into a torrent at hominid attacks, lies floated as jokes, and blatant misinformation. This isn't freedom of speech, it's just dangerous. And his response was, Stop using Musk as your punching bag. Twitter was full of people who had opinions before Musk was around. What you label as misinformation are just views you don't like. Deal with it. Hmm. Since when is free speech a right-wing value? (laughs) (laughs) Answer, since, well, now. And he goes through the evolution of it. And the ACLU, which he, and they bring up what we, what we brought up a number of times, Mm -hmm. that the ACLU defended the worst hate speech there is, Nazi speech, going back to Skokie back in 1978. Yeah. And the ACLU said, no, it is the opinions that you disagree with. 
the opinions that you loathe, no matter how bad, that must be allowed to be out there. Now the ACLU is behind censoring, and I love they're running an advertisement now, like one of the long ads on on TV now. Right. The ACLU is about protecting your rights. I'm like, wow, the ACLU is into propaganda like you can't believe right now. Right. (laughs) I mean, it's just, it's amazing. And so it's it's just an interesting column because it's something that we have talked about, uh, you know, many times before. And he, and, and he writes what well, we've written, a small number of progressives like Gren Greenwald, Matt Taibbi, Michael Tracy, Bill Maher, mm-hmm. and others who retain old liberal values uh, of civil liberties and speech protection. They're now right wing, too. Right. <laughs> Spectator.com, you know, when did free speech become a right-wing value? And, mm-hmm. and I mean, that's, and they're actually being blunt about it. Yeah. Well, this whole thing right. about unlimited free speech comes from the right-wing. <laughs> you, you see my face as I'm saying, it's like, I, you know, it's, now I want to make this clear because in, in the article it talks about the left. I've, you know, I, I grew up in as conservative as a family as you could possibly get. And, and my father always believed in free speech. You know, I mean, that's where I got really got my lessons from me, my parents. I mean, free speech was huge mm-hmm. and and uh, understanding, you know, whether it's what went on in Skokie in 78 or flag burning, understand the consequences if laws were passed as abhorrent as those behaviors and actions might be. What happens if you pass a law that in any way controls thought, which the Democrats wish to do? I think now. You probably have a lot more conservatives that view and look at the left and going, oh, my God, they actually they actually wish to stifle legitimate political speech. And, you know, you can you can have a debate on what is legitimate political speech, because you'll have some people say, well, Nazis marching down Main Street aren't uh, because it gets people upset or flag burning. It does not because. People get upset and you can cause violence because of it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, then what's the limitation? You know, what's the limitation on it? And the debate that goes back and forth, well, is speech a behavior? Well, yeah, if it symbolizes something, yes, it is. It's been viewed as free speech. If you're, right. you know, if you protest and you're saying something that's viewed as free speech, even though you're, you know, it's just not the free speech, but it's the protest that you're a part of also. So it, it gets into, uh, you know, it, it, It gets into interesting debates, as we've had on talk radio many times over the 40 years that I've been doing it. Mm -hmm. But the fact is, with the left, (laughs) they want to ban. Think about this now. The left, could you imagine when we were growing up, if the left wanted to ban Mad Magazine? Well, I mean... That's where they are right now. Well, I mean, they they see... Uh, the Babylon Bee is a threat. Exactly that. that and, I was. Re- that's basically my reference, right? And I mean, that's uh, and 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 back in the day, a Mad Magazine or any. Well, what about any cartoon, any political cartoon? Right. Oh yeah, yeah. If it didn't fit the narrative, if it if it didn't work in your side's interest, you must ban this. Spy versus spy insults the CIA. Right. Remember that? Remember that? 
I remember the guy with the long, the, the long pointy nose. Mm-hmm. That's what I remember from Spot, yeah. <laughs> from <Yeah>. Mad Magazine. <laughs> and it's it, it is again that idea, but the left had thought that they had won the narrative of controlling everything that they had won um, uh, back in in. 2008, after Obama won, they thought that they had won the White House forever. They thought, well, and and they were saying it. Republicans may never win an election, uh, the White House, again. And then with Twitter and Facebook, they believed they were going to control the narrative forever. Well, I, I think to understand, because you can sit there and... and you know, well, the, this, this person uh, promotes disinformation on elections, mm-hmm. which, by the way, applies to both parties. It <laughs> can apply to both, right? Right. Of course. Uh, but, and, and so that's why they should be banned. All right. Uh, let's go a step further. The Babylon Bee. Mm-hmm. The Mad Magazine of today. Mm-hmm. The Babylon Bee. Mm-hmm. Their satire. Mm-hmm. Even though their satire... In fact, one of the things that bothers us about the Babylon Bee is that their satire is becoming truth. <laughs> but that's not their fault. <laughs> well, I mean, they point out some very serious concerns in a funny way. And this is the, you know, the, their headlines are actually have more truth than the liberal media well, quite look, often. Look at, I just went to a page right now. Journalists warn of frightening trend where rules apply to them. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole thing with doxing, if you're going to dox. Right. And, right. Uh, this one, Canadian Life Alert just euthanizes you when you push the button. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's funny. I mean, I mean, I know. It's it's funny. But think about it. You know, it's it's a... It's a parody website, well, and it was and, and it was banned for how long? A year and a half? Yeah, until Elon Musk came in. Mm-hmm. It's parody. The Democrats. You, you want to know? Because there was an, uh, another somebody wrote an article, Real Clear Politics. Uh, I think I saw it. Uh, yeah, liberalism bows out. That liberalism is dead. That the old liberalism of what they believe is gone. Liberalism. Don't call it liberalism anymore. From the old liberalism, basically, it's become fascism. It that's, is fascism. That, that's what it's – the mindset is fascism. It's not liberalism anymore. And and they have just given up on, you know, freedom of speech, freedom of religion, Second Amendment. You know, we can go through all the different parts as we have before of the Constitution that they don't believe in uh, uh, anymore. But think about it. When you get to the point of saying a parody magazine that in essence tells jokes – it's like a it's like a large editorial cartoon which exaggerates the truth sometimes not by much in order to make you laugh. Mm-hmm. You go to the Babylon Bee to laugh. Mm-hmm. And the left in the United States believes that should be banned. Understand how radical that is, and I don't know. I mean, I, young people today, I don't know. You go to a college campus, you start in in, in high school, and you're 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 brainwashed because what we what what they hear, what you hear from a lot of the young kids in 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 college, 
is, well, no, free speech is only that speech that doesn't offend. Well, you're offending me by stating that. So should you be banned? You know, it only applies. What it It's a very totalitarian mindset that they have, which is what I believe is important is the only thing you need to shut up or you'll be punished. Think about how dangerous that is. Yet so many, especially young people, are being brainwashed in high school and in colleges, you know, with that. Yeah, sure. And it's when you think about it, when you go back to, you know, the history of of free speech in this country and you just you see now. And I think this is a really in the, the most incredible thing that that Elon Musk has done. And that is point out how when he keeps promoting what he's promoting, the left has to become even more blunt of how they object to free speech, how they wish to have censorship, and how they believe that there's only one opinion that should be put out there, and anything that does not jive with that opinion is deemed hate. Is deemed hate. To the point of if you say, well, no, I'm sorry, I, you know, I... If somebody wishes to be transgender, God bless. We live in the United States. You can do whatever the heck you want to do if you're an adult. But, uh, sorry, a biological male cannot be a biological female. Because and we're not going to change science. Because they, because they say so. We're not going to change science because of it. Well, that's hate-mongering. No, it's not. It's reality. A man can't give birth. That's hate. Right. That's hate now. That's hate. That's considered hate speech. Because, hate. you know. And, and we all know. Thing is, we all know Democrats know that's ridiculous. Understand how dangerous that narrative is that now the majority inside the Democratic Party support. Well, and beyond the Twitter and Facebook and social media, if there's going to be this drive to shut down any dissent, then how far do you want to take it? Now, in the state of California, before it was overturned, they had it in their laws that if you use the wrong pronoun, you could go to jail. How long before, because the question would be, all right. Um, and in beyond, California, people have it. Mm-hmm. Or not California. In, 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 in Canada. In, in, in Canada. We talked in to, northern, that, which is what we call Northern California. <laughs> and we talked we talked about Europe last week. Yeah. And uh, the, uh, the uh, uh, lesbian activist. Mm-hmm. Uh, who may be facing three years in jail for stating that a, a man cannot be a lesbian. Right. And and so... These are real things happening in the free... In what was called, quote, the free Western world. Right. So, because once you deem something hate speech, once, once we say, all right, uh, if it makes... If we deem it hate speech, it should not be allowed. Chris Cuomo didn't know <laughs> that hate speech actually is protected remember that oh my gosh what a horrible how embarrassing what that that was one of the horrible days that he had along the way um but again once you do that it's hate speech well we all know hate it's all it's all hate speech you can't do that we're gonna we're gonna do away with all of that speech the next thing you have to do is outlaw it Mm -hmm. the next thing you have to do is put people in jail for the way they speak. And Twitter and Facebook are one thing. But the FBI was involved. Why? 
because if you want to if you want to see you know we we go back to um whether it's NSA whether it's uh you know Snowden or any of that what about following individuals what about building a profile on individuals what about then taking action by creating new regulations or laws because if everybody gets in line and says no you're right that that is hate speech should it be allowed no should there be a law yes there you have the political will thank god for the constitution but the left wants to undo the constitution they believe it's outdated for reasons like this because we can't have our way our agenda is stopped by the constitution what do you do get rid of it undo it you chisel and chisel and chisel and chisel until the foundation is gone and this is part of that and it, and there's they're extremely blunt right now to the point where they would be viewed as such radicals just five years ago. Yep. And you may say to yourself, well, that's, you know, this, the whole slippery slope thing. Uh, people don't act that way. Really? Well, we've got massive inflation and people still voted for the side that caused it. They do act against their own interest every day. They do vote against their own, own interest every election cycle. Mm-hmm. Don't say they don't. There's proof they do. Recent proof. Last month, it happened in the millions. 866-90-RED-EYE. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. My favorite story of the day, mm. the one that came out from CNBC, planned wind farm in Australia told it will need to shut down for five months a year to protect parrots. Parrots? Parrots, yes. Well, yes. I mean, we already know they're killing birds. Yep. Plans for a new major wind farm in Australia were given the thumbs up this month on the provision that its turbines go offline for five months a year to protect a parrot species. Mm-hmm. Well, remember the one Whoa. company here uh, in the States, they just had to pay a fine. And remember why they had to pay the fine? Because they didn't have permits for killing the birds. Yes, they could kill the birds. They just didn't have you didn't have a license. Permit. You're right. You didn't have a yeah. permit. Uh, and you need a permit for an assault wind turbine. Yeah, exactly. But the fact is, okay, we'll allow you to build this power plant, but mm-hmm. it can only run seven months of the year. Yeah. Got to shut down five months a year. That's an efficient way to have an energy grid. Is I think it not? so. I think yes. so. Oh, my God. 24 7. 24 days a month, seven months a year. 
<laughs> oh my God. At Reliable Wind Energy, we'll be here for you 24-7, 24 days a month, seven months a year. <laughs> we have to shut down during parrot season. Holly want a wind turbine? <laughs> Five months a year. Sorry, we're closed. The parrot out front should have told you. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. This is Red Eye Radio. All across the USA and around the world, 866-90-RED-EYE. He is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Download our Red Eye Radio app today and can't listen overnight live. You can listen when and where you want on your smartphone. All right, so I'm just looking here. Steve Larkin's column in National Review, Elon Musk and the rise of a conservative celebrity saying, uh, uh, you know, how did he ever get labeled as a conservative or right wing? This goes back to a couple of things that we were talking about uh, tonight, that spectator.org uh, column, uh, you know, uh, and and a few others talking about, you know, that liberalism is gone and, and, you know, what happened to free speech? When did free speech become a right-wing mindset now uh, or right-wing value? Well, it's always been, if you've been a true conservative, it's always been, uh, it's, it's always been a, uh, if you want to say a conservative value. I don't know how to define right-wing, to be honest with you. But yeah, con- today especially, yeah. I mean, if you look at, if you look at the, the closest to a constructionist of the Constitution and conservative I know uh, from on the judicial branch would have probably been Scalia. Yeah, and he, mm. he seemed always to be uh, almost absolute on on free speech rights. Right. Uh, and you know, I I look at his opinion on it. You know, growing up, and I mentioned this earlier, my my dad, who's as conservative as you can get, always a free speech advocate. I think anybody who's truly a conservative uh, is is a free speech advocate. I think most people that are conservative believe in what's in. The, the Constitution of the United States and agrees with it, that they understand and they like the separation of powers. They understand the three branches of government and and why they why they exist. They understand the Electoral College. They understand that in order to keep the country united and to keep a a democratic republic, constitutional republic functioning, that all areas of the country have to believe they have some representation, that they have some clout. If they don't control anything because California, Texas, Florida, and New York does, what's the reason for staying in the republic? Mm. Remember, one of the reasons we were in the Revolutionary War. Representation. We didn't get any representation. Taxes were put upon us without getting the representation. That's what it's about. Yeah. Civil wars happen because of things like that. The 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 left, I don't know what they believe anymore. They believe what they believe today. You know, we had mentioned 
earlier that you know you had Kathy Hochul uh, come out and say, "Look, we can't, you know, we can't be taxing, we can't be taxing people." Eric Adams coming out saying, "We can't be taxing the rich anymore." Mm-hmm. What the states are realizing is the rich pay in in New York County, for example, as they were talking about it, the rich pay fifty one two the top two percent pay fifty one percent of the taxes. Well, eleven percent of them left in twenty twenty. That's mm-hmm. a huge amount that you're going to be missing the rich can move and all of a sudden now they're you know like what opinion do you actually believe what is a consistent opinion that you hold for any length of time right that isn't i'm right you're wrong you shouldn't be able to speak about what you believe even if i change my mind and agree with you next year right now you shouldn't be able to speak hmm. I mean, it's when when you look at it but if you look at the, you know, Elon Musk and the rise of the the conservative uh, celebrity, you and I go all the way back because we had talked about this a long, long time ago. And and this is when Bernard Goldberg, who wrote the book Bias, what was the other book he wrote? I forgot. The first one was Bias. I forgot what the second book was. But it was all about when he worked for Dan Rather. It was all about when he recognized the bias in the media. And I'll never forget. It was probably, I think, 2004, 2000. I might have even been on this show now. I'm not sure. So that would have been 2005. Mm. And USA Today ran an article on all the right-wing authors out there having tremendous success. Mm -hmm. And there's Bernard Goldberg. So that was really the first time that I saw somebody who was not promoting anything outside of normal liberalism and journalism, even at that time, even if there were the political activists, they were all saying, you know, we're all journalists. And for him to come out and say, these are the, because what he, his, his, what he pointed out was simple. His mindset was simple. If you're going to cover a story, you find the person and you ask them what they're doing. And in that case, the, the story that made him realize the bias at CBS with Steve Forbes and the flat tax. So you go to Steve Forbes and you say, what is this about? And you say, Steve Forbes has a tax plan mm. that he is promoting. Uh, and there has been, there have been debates on it both ways. Well, CBS came out and said, the Steve Forbes tax scheme. Yeah. And right there is when he'd realized, well, that's not a word you use if you're unbiased. And so, they, he said, what you do is you find the person, you ask them what they believe. You find an expert who is for that side and an expert who's against that side, and you present it that way. What do you like about this and what do I don't like this? I don't like, and that, that's the end of the story if you're a true journalist. Yep. And they only covered one side of it, and it was the anti-flat tax story. They called it a scheme, and he said, this is the bias in the network. This is what a contractor who worked for him, you know, told Steve, or or, excuse me, told uh, Bernard Goldberg, because Bernard Goldberg said when he met this contractor, he said, there isn't any bias on my network. He goes, next time I see it, I'll point out specifically what the story is. And he did. And Bernard Goldberg said, oh my gosh, that is bias. Now, he did not promote any conservative philosophy, did he? No. He simply said, Journalism should cover both sides. So understand, this isn't new. This has been going on now. This is, I, I think, really 
when it comes to celebrities that have been viewed as right wing. He was one of the first 20 years ago when he came out with bias. Yeah. In the media. Yeah. In the, in the media. Right. 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 In the, in the media or mm-hmm. celebrity, whatever. Mm-hmm. And it was like, what do you mean? He's, he's not, he's simply promoting journalistic ethics. But by that time, promoting journalistic ethics had already become in the mainstream media. This is where they're way ahead of maybe a lot of people who didn't know it was happening because mm-hmm. it didn't get as much press. But we caught on to it and said, see, right there. They're calling him right wing because he believes in journalism. And Bernard Goldberg was like, I'm not right wing. Doesn't matter. Now, it is as blunt as can be, and it's all over the mainstream media. If you believe in free speech, if you believe in journalistic ethics, if you don't believe in censorship, if you believe that that someone says that this social media platform is open for people to discuss things, and there will be no censoring. There will be no censoring. There, or excuse me, shadow banning. There will be no throttling down. In order to highlight particular points of view, that that isn't happening. Well, damn it, you better be truthful in that. That's now viewed as right wing. Freedom is viewed as right wing. Freedom is viewed as fascism by the left today. Well, remember, I mean, it was uh, several years ago, but they started promoting, well, you can have too much freedom. (laughs) You're too stupid to have freedom. That's where we are today. We'll decide how much freedom you get. Stupid. And that's exactly, you know, how they act. It's it's the idea of of not Mm -hmm. being able to control your own life it's the idea of you. too many people make the wrong decisions, so we need to basic, and, and this is the approach. Well, remember, Mika, <laughs> we, we, we need somebody to limit the amount of salt oh, they can use at a restaurant. Because I can't help it. I, can't help it. I know I can't control it. What they mean by that is, you're too stupid. Well, we saw with the soda, the soda ban in New York mm-hmm. City. Yeah. And remember? Or not the ban. What was it? The throttling it down. Was, yeah, it was the, uh, <laughs> it was the, uh, the shadow banning the sh- of, of soda cups. <laughs> and they were going to limit the size of the right. soda cup. And rem- and remember, forty percent of people in New York City were for it. Yeah, forty two. When, yeah, when they took that that mm-hmm. that poll on it, right? See, <laughs> we don't live in the bubble today. I figured forty percent would be good enough. I knew it was around that. No, forty two. It was forty two. Yeah, what? No, it, it was forty two whole that. percent. No, it was, but that's more than half. And and rem- and rem- <laughs> remember when? Remember when we sat on the air and talked about it? Oh yeah. And the calls we got, no, we would get from. Well, it's from, obesity, and we need yep, this, and that, and these are these yeah. are we, and we specifically asked for people from New York City to call. Mm-hmm. And one person said, well, yeah, because I can't control myself. Yeah. And, I, and cigarettes, too. Cigarettes. I need to ban cigarettes because I can't control myself either. And, and basic, the cost of health care and blah, 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 right. blah. 
But the fact is, I don't have the discipline to control. And these were adults calling our show. We don't have the discipline to control ourselves. Mm -hmm. And therefore, government needs to protect us from ourselves. That's right. And we're like, wow. Oh, where do these people come from? Where do they come from? I mean, it was scary back then when it happened. But this is not... This is not new, but what I the most fascinating thing this weekend is the way that you look at the poll numbers, and everybody knows what the poll numbers are. Mm-hmm. You know, the the vast majority of people we went, we've gone through the numbers. Vast majority, over seventy percent, know that social media is censoring mm-hmm. and has a political bias. It's the numbers are through the the numbers are as landslide as you can get for almost any topic out there. Yeah. So they know they're censoring. They want to know what the government's involvement is on it. Mm -hmm. And the media is just not covering it and pretending it's not happening. And everybody knows that the media is pretending that it's not happening. But the information's getting through. And that's what I find amazing. Everyone knows it's happening. The media tried to make all the excuses that, Mm. well, shadow banning wasn't happening. None of this was happening whatsoever. And then when that fell by the wayside, then it was, well, but the government was involved. They're sim- simply a private company and can do whatever they they uh, they, they want. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden we found out the government through the FBI and intelligence agencies are involved in, in censoring mm-hmm. and communicating consistently over the years with Twitter, maybe not now, in order to censor. And so now it's just, we're not going to cover it. We're just not going to cover the story. We're going to make it as if it doesn't exist. And there, tell me an issue where there is where where there is that much uniform agreement that something has to be done about this, and we need to get to the bottom of this. You mean you look at all the different issues out there? I mean, this is up there with inflation. This is up in the seventy percentiles of inflation. Mm-hmm. We got to do something about it, right? And yeah, we know it's happening, and the the government and the media colluding together are basically just ignoring it as if it doesn't exist, and the whole public knows that they're ignoring it. The emperor has no clothes. Yep. And amazing times we live in. No, I mean, we want to close our eyes and pretend the monster is not there. The problem will go away. Yep. Just ignore it. It will go away. 866-90-RED-EYE. This time of year for many young kids and consequently their parents, there's a lot of attention and expectation focused on providing and receiving a lot of toys, toys, toys. There is this culture of just providing a mountain of toys. It would be better if it were just a hill. This from Kansas State University Extension Childhood Development expert Bradford Wiles. He says research shows young children really only need five good solid toys at any one time. More than that, and young kids suffer toy overload, or the technical term... Too many many toys. toys. Now, in some struggling families, it's too few or not at all. So, Bradford says, buy a toy or two for donation to those kids, and... Help your child give that toy away and say, this is going to go to a child who really needs it. It's a great lesson for them in being charitable, and it can really make them feel good. Better than getting a mountain of toys, Gary Crawford for the U.S. Department of Agriculture. The USDA report is brought to you by Cenex Roadmaster XL Premium Highway Diesel Fuel. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE.
It's Friday Radio. He's Eric Carney, and I'm Gary McNamara. Just uh, looking at some of the uh, weather forecast. We've got a big winter system across the nation. Yeah, coming up uh, late uh, later on uh, this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, when when I wake up to catch a plane, it's probably going to be about. I'm going to guess maybe 13 degrees somewhere in there on Something Friday like morning. Friday morning when I. Yeah, get up to uh, to catch the because uh, you're getting up like plane. super early. Yeah, my plane takes off at five, so I'll be up probably at probably at uh, I'm going to guess one thirty. Yeah, in the morning. So, uh, but by the time I leave for the airport, which should be about you know two thirty to get there, because the gates open at three, and then mm-hmm. I have a five o'clock flight out. Right. Um, I think I'll be safe at flying into Charlotte first. So looks like mm. Charlotte, you know, looks like most of the cold's not going to be there. Right. So what you're hoping is anything. And I don't, I don't know where the, I don't know where the flight's coming in to go to Charlotte. <laughs> I'll have to go look that up. Oh. Mm. By the way, I do that all the time on my flights. Yeah. I'll look at if, especially if I have late, you know, like afternoon flights. Morning flights are easy because you know the incoming flight normally came in the night before. Right. But like on flights that go, you know, past noon, I always check and I'll see, you know, I'll check. You know, three, four flights before to see if that flight took off, and then whether that got to the airport, and whether that took off, I'll follow them all across the nation just and, to see. But yeah, we're, transportation probably will be affected. Yeah, and and you're you're going to Buffalo. Yes. Now, what's the forecast for the the time you're in Buffalo? Are you guys going to get snow no. there? Yeah, it's going to. I guess probably in the twenties, high teens, low twenties. All right, is not too bad. Is what it's going to for Buffalo. That's not too bad, right? No, it's normal. I mean, that would be that's normal. That's normal winter, you know, kind of uh, of weather. Let me just see what it uh, if if I have it here. Uh, like right now, I think it's like twenty seven degrees, something like there. Okay, and uh, when when I when I'm there, it will be. Uh, let me see. Uh, let me see the high. Oh gosh, the uh, the the high. Uh, is when I'll be there forty eight fourteen on Friday, nineteen and sixteen on Saturday, twenty two sixteen on Sunday, twenty three twenty on Monday. So, all right, any snow? Yeah, they they they've got snow on the ground, and the, the snow is predicted to be falling all week. Thursday, uh, Friday, they expect uh, three to five inches of snow. All right, which isn't enough to close down that airport. No, you know, so. Does the weather guy even mention it if it's only three to five inches in Buffalo? Yeah. Yeah. Because why why even bring it up? So, well, they can, you know, it's. Did you see, did you see the, uh, any of the, the video from the football game the other day? No. When the Bills Uh, played? No. Well, what happened was all the snow fell like within hours. So they couldn't sweep off any of the seats in the stadium. Right. And, and so, um, uh, there was a foot of snow on every seat, mm. which I knew. I went, oh, no, snowballs. <laughs> which is the fans making their own fans snowballs. Fans making their own snowballs. And throwing them onto and the field. And throwing them on the field. And, I mean, at one point, it was a, where they had to delay the game and say said, if any person on the field is hit by a <laughs> snowball, it's a 15-yard penalty on the Bills. On the Bills? On the Bills. It's a... It was a home game. Yes, yes, but there were 
Dolphin fans in there, and there, and that was the complaint. Okay, so that, so the that's complaint the question. Was, well, there's some Dolphins fans. What if they throw it? We could find 50, but it never, the snowball the snowball stopped. But mm. at a time when you, people were throwing at each other, you just saw the, you see the football <laughs> going to field, and people, there's just all, there's just boom, 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 Flying boom, everywhere. boom, boom, everywhere. It wow. Was, Happy holidays. Have some eggnog. Red Eye Radio. And he's Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 Red Eye. Okay, for a moment there, we didn't mention American football. And uh, uh, because of what happened yesterday, we must mention the more popular sport, international football, where Argentina won the World Cup. So, I love soccer, I'm a huge fan. <laughs> I just love teasing. I really don't care, but I just love teasing. Yeah, because, it's look because it it is the if if the fans get something out of something, I don't get yeah, I you know excitement excited for then fine. But it's Great. the only, I don't it's, care. It's the only sport Whatever. where I'm told where I'm told by my friends who like soccer that I should like it. I've never been told that for any of my friends who like watching tennis. You know, like, oh, you you should be watching tennis. You know, it's that's it, a good point. It's, it's a it's a really good point. They don't do that for like. Cricket. No. Curling. You should no. really watch it. No, I shouldn't. I mean, if yeah. you like it, that's cool. Yeah. Soccer's the one I'm always getting next. Yeah. Well, you know, it's the biggest sport in the world. It's bigger than American football around the world. Yeah. You know, they don't care about American football. And I know. Mm-hmm. And I don't care. That quit, <laughs> quit giving in to this. I like football. <laughs> quit American gi- football. Quit giving in to it's big like, soccer. You know, the soccer lobbyists. The so- <laughs> that clearly have the the talking points all it's bigger than than american football now I it will, has more fan okay that's fine now i i will admit i did watch about 10 minutes of the the game yesterday hmm. i saw where france scored a couple of goals real quick to make it a 3-3 tie which was exciting i mean it was because you know and but then i turned it off for the, i was like i'm sorry all right, the extra time is over, and now we're not going to play soccer to see who wins the World Soccer Championship. We're simply going to have penalty kicks. No! Play the game! Can you imagine in baseball? All right, we're just going to do a home run derby. It's just, we're just, <laughs> sorry, we've done 19 innings. We gotta, we gotta end this. We're just gonna do. We're just gonna. In fact, we're not even gonna bring out a pitcher. We're gonna do the pitching, uh, the 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 practice pitching machine on the mound instead. We'll just. We're not even gonna try. All the other players have to go to the sidelines. Yeah. No. I mean, well, even in in hockey, where you you see what they do in hockey. I mean, they play mm-hmm. a five minute overtime period, right. With just three players, they take. And what? normally soccer's or excuse me, hockey is normally five, five on each side. They take out, so it's a lot quicker. And normally See, they'll score a goal, but after that, then they do basically the penalty shot, which I hate. I hate 
By the way, I hate both of them. I hate that they do the three-on-three, and I hate that they do the penalty shot. Here's here's what I'd say. Unless my team wins. Here's what I'd say. (laughs) All right. We're going to go into overtime. It's five minutes for both soccer and hockey. But we're going to clear the bench. Every player (laughs) is going to be out there. All the rules are gone. All the officials are going to be off the field or off the ice. There are no penalties. There are no penalties. Ready? I like that idea. Go. I mean, if you're going to do it, if you're just going to throw out the game, then let's go all in. Just go. It'd be like a cage match. I don't know why, but it just it bothers me the way. All right, we need to find a, you know, come on. The, we we have a game where so few points are scored mm-hmm. that we can't play the game to find out who the winner is. Right. We have to do penalty kicks. We can't actually play the actual game that people came to see. Right. Why not just do a, a, a coin toss to see who wins? <laughs> Call it. Well, you know, hey, we can't figure out who's won the tennis match. It's tied. Hey, here's a golf club. See if you can put this ball in the hole over there. Yeah. Why play tennis? <laughs> Brian, Brian Regan does a bit on the, you know, the, the way they score tennis. Love. You know, yeah. Love. It doesn't feel like love. <laughs> Imagine opening, opening the app on your banking account and seeing nothing in it. Oh, no, I have love. <laughs> I love Brian Regan. Uh, it's, you know, it, look, if you're going to do that, then just, again, all in. Every player on the field. And let them pick 10 fans each <laughs> to come down onto the field or the ice and just go at it. And, and Everybody's at, it. And after you seeing the Buffalo game, snowballs are okay. <laughs> snowballs are okay. <laughs> In fact, the football can be used. It can only be snowballs. Well, when, when somebody's somebody lining up, I've, I was an extra point or a field goal, and I went, what if somebody perfectly times a snowball and it hits the ball in the air? What's the ruling on that one? <laughs> right, right. I mean, that would be crowd interference. I don't know. I don't know what you do with that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, at least, you know, the NFL, at least for, you know, for, for the NFL can still end in a tie yeah. if you don't score after. And I'm like, no, no. Yeah. Keep playing until somebody scores. Well, it goes on too long. Well, then. I, I don't s- care. I, yeah. I, it's, yeah, I, if they're, if they're all dropping from exhaustion, they're all laying down there on the field. Great. That's fine. I mean, I keep I, going. I hate, <laughs> I hate the penalty shot. I, I think games should be played the way games are played. You don't sit there and say, well, you know, we just sort of got tired of doing this and, you know, everybody's got to go home. So let's not play the game to figure out. Let's not actually play the real game to figure out who the winner is of a game that we're not playing. <laughs> here's, I, here's another what? thing I would do, by the way, with the snowball thing. Okay, here's what here's here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna pause the game for five minutes. Everybody, make your best snowball. <laughs> as many of them as you can. And we want you all in. Everybody's all in. If we see somebody not, not throwing a snowball, snowball, 
then the Buffalo Bills get penalized <laughs> 15 yards. <laughs> but that was I, I, that was amazing, though. When they, the, ref, the ref said, if, if anybody gets hit, it's a 15-yard penalty, and it would have been on the Bills. And I mean, it was it went from raining snowballs to nothing. Well, I mean, it was like <laughs> I know me. I I just you know I've never matured in that sense, and it would be I would it would be so incredibly hard for me not to be making snowballs and throwing them if I were in that setting, especially with everybody else doing it. Even when the official said that, I'd be like. You're just going to have to put handcuffs on me because I'm not going to. I'm not going to be able to stop. Well, that's, that's a criminal element in yeah. you that I've always known was there. Yeah. That yeah. Could, oh but, yeah. But the only thing I hate worse, I, I hate ties too. Though I mean, I just hate. I hate when the game ends. Any game ends in a tie. Yeah. I just you know, and and the majority of you know how many in soccer especially how many mm-hmm. games end in the tie? What was it? The first two U.S. games were ties. Yeah. I mean, it's like saying, well, we know you've been here for three and a half hours, but and, well, and it doesn't you, count. You want to tick me off, mm. make me pay whatever the money a ticket price is to see a tie. Yeah. How do you feel? I don't know. Well, nobody can beat us. We can't beat anybody else. But no, I want to walk out either enraged mm-hmm. <laughs> or, or, or happy or happy, extremely happy. But the viewer, just so people know the the, the difference, because we always talk about the audience, I, and I don't know what the I don't know if it came in for what the United States audience was for the Ar, Ar, Argentina France game, mm. uh, but uh, I know for the American game that they lost, uh, that was fifteen point three million. Okay, and the average super- in the U.S. In the U.S., watch yes. in the US. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. I was way, right. probably yeah. way over a billion. Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, na- you know, worldwide. Right. Which, of course, the Super Bowl doesn't draw that in. The Super Bowl draws in about $100 million. Hmm. Uh, Average, probably between 100 and $105 million. Mm-hmm. Average audience throughout the, you know, throughout the, the place. It probably peaks higher, like at a 122 or something. Mm-hmm. And then 50 to $60 million worldwide, that's it for the, the, the for American football. But... Um, uh, but it was fifteen point three million was the I believe the average audience, mm. and the average audience for a Super Bowl between a hundred and a, you know, hundred and five. Now, if the U.S. was in the World Cup men's in the final, that'd be interesting to see what that would be. Yeah, right. You know, like I said, I I even yesterday, no, well, I saw it was three nothing mm-hmm. for Argentina, and when I saw it, I went. I'm not even going to watch it. And then I saw somebody, you know, post, hey, they just scored. I'm like, let me just see. And then they scored again. It was tied. I'm like, oh, wow. This is... hmm. And so it was, uh, then when the game met, it was like penalty shot time. I was done. I was like, well, I'll see what the yeah. score is later. Right. Didn't care. But, yeah. So we don't, we don't have to. By the way, the next time, let me see. This is 4.45 a.m., December 19th, 2022, mm-hmm. by the way, that's central time. Mm-hmm. And so roughly at this time in 2026, we'll talk soccer again. Yeah. Set your alarm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really interested to see what the back and forth is going to be this week, just on everything that came out of the whole uh, you know, 
the the Twitter files on on Friday and even yesterday. But well, the the FBI being involved the way that they yep, were, yep. you can't win that. You can't Democrats try to try to win that. You can't with the public. Well, and you and can't. here's the thing: I I hope that the GOP in the House, if they're going to have hearings on this, focuses on on what's what matters most, and and first and foremost, it has to be what was going on, who gave the directive at the FBI. Um, why was there this, uh, we learned, a task force with the intelligence community involved? Um, why was that in play? The problem, and you saw it, I saw it, others saw it, Jonathan Turley wrote about it, was the response from the FBI was like, eh, there's nothing here, this is what we do. Right. Yeah. Yeah, we always do this. Well, well they glazed over it. Yeah. And, well. and And the fact of the matter is they were involved in in details regarding accounts that were clearly not foreign actors. This was not national security. This was not like that. It, it had nothing to do with national security. Nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing. And, and, and I think, you know, I don't know that what we would learn between now and hearings, but certainly there has to be an investigation into this kind of activity at Facebook um, uh, with Google. Mm-hmm. With other uh, tech companies, and and honestly, you know, um, if you're going to be, if you're going to have a task force like this assigned to social media, eighty, who, who F- else? 80 FBI, eighty agents. FBI agents. This wasn't a rogue agent at San Francisco. Right. This was a sizable crew assigned to this. What else were they doing? That Matt uh, Taibbi says was like a master canine relationship. Right. Is how. Yeah, they were just barking it. orders from the FBI to Twitter. Right. You know? That's basically, in short, that's what it seemed to be. And why is that? And to what extent did that go on or is still going on? We know that the one email November. 10th of this year, but they had uh, 150, more than 150 yeah. and what that they found between January and, of 20, and, and the letter 21 that, and, and uh, or uh, oh. 2020 yeah, and, or 2021. And, and the letter that uh, Schiff and a few other Democrats sent to Facebook. Right. Just recently. Right. I, <laughs> that's a letter of intimidation if I've ever heard, seen one. Sure. That, Absolutely, you, know, you, you know, you better massive keep, overreach. You, you you better not go to the policies that they're doing over there, right? Twitter, yeah. Eight six six ninety Red Eye. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Friday Radio. He is Eric Hurley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. So, yeah, I just – it's uh, – the the FBI thing is the thing that – because that's been verified now. And, and right, you, you right. take that on top – the whole Twitter thing. You take that on top of the fact that they had Hunter Biden's laptop mm-hmm. 10 months before, 
and then everything that they were doing to try to tell the social media companies, including uh, Twitter, about what was uh, what was possibly coming their way, which they said was disinformation and possible Russia disinformation. And as a one Twitter exec said from uh, concerning Hunter Biden, and they'd had the laptop for that time. And then everything that we have seen that isn't specifically about the laptop, but that there was constant communication. Mm. And we're talking about from April of, of 2020 through November of 2022, 150 different emails between the FBI and executives at uh, Twitter. Right. You got a big problem there. Yep. Big problem. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Do we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.